Welcome to The Commentaries, a podcast series from TAN in which you'll learn how to read and understand history's greatest Catholic works from today's greatest Catholic scholars. In every series of The Commentaries, your expert host will be your personal guide to not just read the book, but to live the book, shining the light of its eternal truths into our modern darkness. Visit TANCommentaries.com to get your copy of the book and to subscribe for access to all the great reading plans, new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive deals for listeners of the commentaries. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the commentary series on the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena. I'm Sister Mary Madeline Todd, a Dominican Sister of the Congregation of St. Cecilia in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm happy to walk you through the dialogue. Today is day three of our series, and we'll be discussing St. Catherine's writing on how to grow in virtue. This section is from A Treatise on Divine Providence, beginning with the subsection on how every virtue and every defect is obtained by means of our neighbor going through to the section, How Virtues Are Proved and Fortified by Their Contraries, in the Tan edition of the book. First, let us begin with a short prayer, the prayer that St. Catherine wrote. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal God, Eternal Trinity, You have made the blood of Christ so precious through his sharing in your divine nature. You are a mystery as deep as the sea. The more I search, the more I find. And the more I find, the more I search for you. But I can never be satisfied. What I receive will ever leave me desiring more. When you fill my soul, I have an ever greater hunger and I grow more famished for your light. I desire above all to see you, the true light, as you really are. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last time we were considering how Catherine was aflame with this longing for the glory of God and for the salvation of souls. And we saw how this desire made her ask God's grace for herself, for the church, and for the world, and especially for those who were Christians, followers of Christ, but who were cut off from the church. Catherine had a tremendous heart of compassion, and she always wanted to draw people into unity, especially with God and the church. We already saw that for Catherine, an essential element of honoring God and laboring for the good of others is virtue. So how we grow in virtue is the focus of the sections we'll now be considering. As the Father begins to instruct Catherine more deeply in virtue, he speaks to her about a truth that is evident from the Scripture, that the love of God and the love of our neighbor are one. The Father points out that if a person says they want to serve their neighbor but cuts himself off from the love of God, he's not only doing harm to himself but to his neighbor. In a sense, the Father is revealing to Catherine that there's no such thing as a private sin or something that is unrelated to the good of those around us. 
This is because when we're one with God, we are filled with the life of divine grace, and therefore, we're living in the life of divine charity. It's that charity, that divine love dwelling within us, that motivates us to pray and labor for the good of those around us. So when a person is cut off from God, that is necessarily going to cause a real loss, a real lack in the love of neighbor, and will always relate to suffering among the human community. The Father points out that every time we are faithful to grace, every time we receive divine life and live in that divine life, we will necessarily do good to ourselves and to our neighbors. The good we can do one another, he instructs to Catherine, is firstly by way of of our word and our teaching, that if we're one with God in love, what we say to others, what we say about how to live well, will be infused with that love. We will also serve others by the example of our good works. A person who's full of love continually seeks to do good and shows another how to live well. And when we're living in union with God, we're going to be more attentive to the need of those around us. And and that's going to be unpacked a little more as we go into this. The Father points out that we do a great evil to others when we omit the good that should be done towards them, as well as when we do them forms of positive injury. This is a teaching in the Catechism of the Catholic Church that there aren't just sins of commission, that we've done harm, but there are also sins of omission, that when we're not living in divine charity, when we're not walking in love, we're very often not even noticing the need of the person around us and therefore not reaching out to them. The Father teaches Catherine that the injury we do to another can be at the level of our spiritual attachment to sin because when we move from real love to selfishness, It turns us away from that self-giving love that would draw us to help other people around us. And he, he says that a person who becomes selfish, even if it seems it's just a small matter, if we begin with little ways of becoming absorbed in ourselves, it eventually gives way to a form of cruelty that will ultimately manifest itself in many forms of harm to others and many failures to reach out to the good of another. You know, anytime we look at widespread patterns of corruption, of of stealing from others, of, of extortion, of abuse, of using another in an abusive way, that began with some turning in on self. So the Father teaches Catherine there's no sin that doesn't harm others. What the Father calls secret sin, even those things that seem like they're only interior to the person's heart, will always lead us to fail to love others as we should, and will eventually end up in open sin that directly attacks the good of another. So for example, if a person is losing their faith in God, it will eventually come to a manifestation in harming others. Or that if a person does something in private that they think is just about themselves, it will cause a harm to the others around them. So it's worth noting that when the Father warns Catherine that all the corruption of the church and the world is rooted in self-love, he's not talking about the proper love of self, the ordered love of self. 
you know, it can be a little confusing sometimes, both in scripture and in the writings of Catherine, when it sounds like self-love is a problem, okay? But here we have to understand the kind of self-love that honors God, that flows from our recognition of our dignity, that self-love is good, but it's a selfish sensuality, what is called in this section, sensual passion. This absorption with our own pleasure that leads us to oppose things that are truly good. That is the form of self-love that ultimately leads to vice and ultimately leads to our own harm and the harm of other people. And what can purify us of that selfishness is true charity. And the Father says to Catherine that it is that true charity that gives life to all of the virtues. When we really love is when we learn true gentleness. When we really love is when we know how to be patient. When we really love, this is when we know how to live generously. When a soul grows in humility and comes to know the truth of God's goodness and the truth of her own need, that soul comes to a hatred of the sensual passions that turn us away from goodness. Again, the passions themselves are not evil. Self-love is not evil, but when we are sensually disordered such that we seek our own comfort, our own pleasures above the good of God and the good of others, then that disordered sensuality, that disordered passion is what needs to be purified. God tells Catherine that sensuality, this selfishness that turns us in on ourselves, can be crushed under the heel of reason. This is a deeply Thomistic principle, right? That our passions, our emotions in themselves are not evil, but when they're misleading us, when they're leading us away from goodness, we need to engage reason so that we can see what true goodness is. And how is reason especially able to lead us to a healthy integration of passion? is, the Father says, when the soul ponders all the good that God has done for her. This is a beautiful principle that's going to come up. We're about to come upon the image of Christ the bridge. It's one of the hallmarks of the whole work of the dialogue. And in that, we'll see even more about this. But the Father tells Catherine even here, if you want your reason to be truthful, ponder how loved you are by God. And when you ponder how loved you are by God, you will, in knowing how loved you are, be inflamed with true charity. And that will help us to love virtue and hate vice. The Father points out to Catherine that it's utterly impossible for a person to grow in love of God and not grow ever more in seeking the good of their neighbor. For when we come to unit of love with God, we'll know how to love ourselves, not selfishly, but truthfully. And that will extend in a great desire to do good for God and good for our own soul and good for our neighbors. Now, the Father teaches Catherine that if you possess one virtue in truth, you really do possess in some sense all of the virtues. Um, now, they won't be equally evident in the same soul. And this is, I think, a really extraordinarily beautiful part of the Father's revelation to Catherine. He says to her that to each soul, he will give a particular virtue in greater strength, even though one virtue is linked to all the others. So maybe one person will be exceptionally courageous. 
Another might be extraordinarily generous. And he says that he gives a principal virtue and natural strengths, not to one person, but uniquely in each soul. Why? The Father says, look, I could have given every soul the fullness of virtue. I could have given you all the natural gifts. But he reveals to Catherine that he gave us specific strengths of virtue and specific gifts so that we would have to rely on him for grace and on one another, that we're interdependent. We are dependent on our Creator for all things and all good, but we're also dependent on each other so that the one who is strong in one area has to reach out to and help the other who is strong in a different area. I think this is an extraordinarily beautiful part of God's revelation to Catherine. Not only do we exercise virtue in relation to our neighbor, but it is through the interaction with our neighbors that we grow in virtue. Maybe unsurprisingly, the Father first gives the example to Catherine of how we grow in patience through our interactions with another. It is true that we could think of ourselves as patient when we have no affliction, when we don't have to endure the difficulties of life with others. But as soon as we are in interaction with others, we see how the tensions, the the misunderstandings around us are really an opportunity for our virtue to be tested and for it to grow. So the Father walks through many examples in this section with Catherine of how when we're in the face of a challenge and an opposition from another, we grow. So he gives one example of when someone who attacks our faith, someone who lacks faith, is constantly opposing us, then we are able to exercise our faith even more deeply. So when we're faced with adversity and challenge, you know, none of us likes adversity or challenge, but the Lord points out that this is the way in which we grow in greater kindness and gentleness. And he adds an interesting point here. The Father says that not only is our virtue proved each time we render good for evil, but that a good man gives back, quote, fiery coals of love that dispel the hatred and rancor of the heart of the angry, so that from hatred comes benevolence. In other words, a person who is opposed has the opportunity to grow in strength and be fortified in virtue of himself, but also when a person responds virtuously to the other who is not being so virtuous, it dissipates the fury of vice in the other. This section of the dialogue relates profoundly to what St. Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 20, when he said, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. The Father is instructing Catherine in precisely what was revealed in St. Paul's letter to the Romans. What are these burning coals we heap upon the head of another? It's not a kind of vengeance. It's not a kind of retaliation. It's a purifying fire that when someone does harm to us and we return good, it literally is like that fire of divine love in the heart of God that can purify and dissipate the darkness and the hardness of heart that is in the one who is doing harm to us. Here's one of those moments where what is unpacked in the teaching of the dialogue is so evident in Catherine's own biography. 
When Catherine was living in Siena and had already spent three years at home praying and, and growing in self-knowledge and learning virtue in, from the Lord Himself, she went out to serve other people and she would go down to the places where the sickest people in the town were. And there was one woman whose sickness was so repelling, the odor of her wounds was so horrific that no one wanted to take care of her. And Catherine begged God to give her the true charity that would enable her to serve this woman who was not only very sick in body, but also very sick in her heart and mind. And the more Catherine would tend this woman, whom nobody else wanted to go near, the more the woman would be angry and hostile to Catherine, call her names, speak very rudely to her. Not only that, this woman started spreading lies about Catherine, telling other people that Catherine was falling in the virtue of chastity, lying about Catherine's virtues. Catherine, I am sure, broke her heart to see the way this woman was responding to her and the lies that were hurting Catherine were being spread about her. And Catherine continued to love this woman, to be patient to her. This was the fiery coals poured upon her head. That woman was completely transformed by the patient endurance and love of Catherine. Catherine's virtue not only grew as it was tested in this, in this fire of suffering, but it also became a means of the transformation and conversion of this woman. When this woman was on the brink of death, she begged Catherine's forgiveness. And she died calling on the Lord and truly repenting from all the hardness of her heart. So as the Father teaches Catherine in this amazing section of the dialogue, when we are tested in our virtue, we have the opportunity to grow. And if a person is truly meek and gentle of heart, learning from the heart of Christ, that person can truly not be harmed by another and may even do good to the very one who mistreats them through the purifying fire of love. So that brings us to the end of the third day of our study of the dialogue, this beautiful section that I hope you'll read and ponder deeply on virtue and how we grow in virtue in relation to our neighbor. It's my prayer that St. Catherine's words received from the Father and pondered in her own heart will help us to strive for true virtue, especially for that transforming fire of divine charity. Next time we'll be going a little more deeply into the virtue specifically of humility and how that virtue is revealed and strengthened through the practices of penance and prayer. This is a section from the treatise on discretion and the subsections on how our affections should not rely chiefly on penance and how sin is more gravely punished after the passion of Christ than before. So I hope this section on virtue really inspires us to open our hearts to the charity of the heart of God. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This has been an episode of The Commentaries, a podcast brought to you by TAN. To follow the show, study more of the greatest Catholic classics, and to support The Commentaries and other great free content from TAN, 
visit tancommentaries.com to subscribe and use coupon code COM25 to get 25% off your next order, including the dialogue and countless more spiritual works to deepen your interior life and guide you to heaven. Thank you.